Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. My name is Christine Heath. I'm a marriage and family therapist and live out in the beautiful state of Hawaii. And I'm here today with my very, very bestest podcast partner and friend, Judy Sedgman. Hi, I'm Judy Sedgman, and I live, I'm a psychologist, and I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I'm equally lucky because uh, Chris and I really enjoy doing these podcasts, and it's a great learning experience for us, and it's something we're just thrilled to share. And, you know, that's one of the things that's different about the work that we do. It's like really hard if you go in the field of psychology to find a practitioner that's A, still working at our age, and B, still has the same kind of passion that we have about this work. That's just something that is uh, hard to find. Many people that are still working are quite jaded and burned out and they're not like, they're not thinking about like, oh, what am I going to learn new? It's like, oh gosh, I got to see another client, listen to the same old stories. And um, it, so it's uh, one of the things that we think is a little different about the understanding that we're talking about is that you stay awake and alive to the newness of, of everything that you're looking at in terms of human beings. In fact, we were just having a conversation about, um, thought and um, genetics, the two of us. And uh, uh, we were, were going to talk about that, then realize like, oh, there's something here. We have to see this deeper. So we're not going to talk about that today. But, you know, that's just kind of the fun of it is that um, we're so uh, interested that we keep seeing more and more. And boy, if that's not something that should entice you, if you're in the field of uh, health care at all, is to see the power that our state of mind has to, um, uh, to create reality and the implications that that has across the board. So one of the things that we really wanted to talk about today was how psychology gets a little caught up in the content of the gift of thought. So we have this ability to think, and what we've been spending our time on is kind of dissecting at nauseum the details of what people think. Because you could see, I mean, I understand where this came from. People would come in and they'd be in a really low mood and and people would start talking, like Freud especially started to talk about like, why, why are you thinking this way? What happened to you? And then they started talking about all the awful things that went on in their life. And so it appeared as if the content of their... um thinking their memories was what was causing their inability to to deal with life. Now, one of the things that we talk about is looking at how thought works to create our experience of life rather than looking at the content of what people are thinking about. One of the things that I I notice all the time uh, with clients is that there is an almost immediate shift in their state of mind 
even early on when I first meet them, if I don't, if I stop them from getting too deep into their story. So clients will come in and they'll start to tell you that they have kind of what I call the, the habit, the therapy habit. They'll come in and they'll start telling you, you know, about their parents and their childhood and their being bullied or whatever happened to them. And, um, and then they, you know, they expect you to ask questions and to go deeper into it. And I have a tendency to say something like, well, you know, I'm sure you've told that story a lot of times and you're very familiar with it, but I'm more interested now in what's happening to you in this right now. You know, like, tell me, tell me what's going on with you right now. And even if they're having a hard time right now, just not having to go over the story does something for them. I mean, it's very subtle, but you can see them kind of just relax, you know, and go, oh, well, like right now, yeah, well, I'm looking for a job and blah, blah, blah. But once people get pulled into the present moment and stop focusing on all the, all the information in their, in their head, all the history, all the details, all the things they've always had to talk about and think about, it, there's, there's hope, even if, it's, if they're in a tough situation. Because in the present moment, people feel safe if they are safe. You know, if, if they're sitting there talking to you and you're not upset about whatever's going on and you're, you know, listening to the current, their current state of mind, you make a different kind of connection. It's no longer kind of, oh, you poor thing. You know, oh my God, and then what happened kind of thing. It's now let's talk about, you know, where we go from here. And what, what, can I, what can I explain to you about how your thinking works that might help you to see beyond what's going on? So I, I just feel like, you know, even intuitively, before people know anything at all about the work we do, just the way we go about it um, helps them. You know, I think that's totally true. I think, and I think people's wisdom kind of knows better than to do that. So frequently you'll hear people say, I don't want to go in and talk about this. I don't want to talk about it. Like they know when I talk about this, I feel worse. And yet it seems like they need to talk about this because it's the cause of their suffering. But you see, that's like when we don't understand that it's just thought. And so when people bring up painful, their painful past or painful memories, it's consciousness is what makes it seem real in the moment. And like they're going to, they need to talk about it in order to get over it. But the problem is the more you remember something, the harder it is to get, to forget it. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, that's, that's one of the things we know about memory. It's like the more you think about it, the harder it is to forget. So then we have people come in and we have them talk about all these memories they have that are causing them pain and they don't get better. Duh. You know, like, of course not, because you're, they're getting more cemented in reality for them. Those thoughts look like that's the cause of why I am the way I am. And it's not just the, the details of your past. I mean, couples come in all the time and they want to talk about what the other person is doing to them. You know, how they're don't they're not listening and they have these weird ideas and they want to do all these, you know, crazy things or they're acting in strange ways. But it's always looking at the content 
right? Because that's what a fight is. If you've ever had an argument with somebody, you get in the content and pretty soon you're arguing, but you don't even really know what you're arguing about because you're talking like uh, Swahili and um, uh, Pidgin English at the same time. They they don't make sense. But do we stop the argument? No, because we get so caught up in the content of our own thinking. So you see how that's after the fact. The ability to think helps us to see that the quality of our thoughts, the content of our thoughts is going to be based on the state of mind you're in. So when you're in a low mood, guess what? Your thoughts are going to be more negative. So when people come into therapy, they're in a really low mood for whatever reason. And that's what's on their mind. So, of course, that looked like it was the problem. But once you start to see that that's like too late already, it is the, it's the, it's the result of the problem, right? It's like thinking about all that crazy negative stuff. But that's after the fact. So what we're doing is helping people to not create those thoughts because once you've got a memory in your head, I mean, you can always bring it up. It's, it's something that keeps coming to mind all the time if you're in a low mood. But when you're not in a low mood, that stuff's not on your mind. Or it doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter as much to you. If it passes through your mind, it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested in it. You don't even have to have that. Well, frequently it doesn't even come to your mind. Right. You know, it's like it, it's like doesn't get triggered. People that have PTSD will have like times where have, they're having a great time and a good feeling and nothing gets triggered. And other times they can be like walking down the street, not even aware of anything and boom, they're having a flashback. And that thought gets to look real. You know, it's... What I was thinking of when I was saying that, I was talking one time to a a colleague um, who was an Israeli soldier, and uh, when when I originally met him, he was um, struggling with PTSD, um, and now he's he's been actually pursuing a degree in psychology and is I think almost finished his doctorate if not finished, and he was talking about the fact that he had for years. After coming back from war, he could not go to big celebrations where there was going to be noise like cannons or fireworks or, you know, any kind of sudden loud noise because he would just totally freak out, even though he knew, you know, where he was. He said, it's not like I thought I was back on the battlefield. It's just the, the, the sound itself just filled my head with all these terrible scenes. And... um so he he went to uh, he took he was on vacation and he flew to Spain. He didn't know anything about it. He was just on you know going to go look at um, start in Madrid and just tour Spain. And as he was going to his hotel, um, the the uh, whoever the driver was said, you know, you really should stop here. There was some big party going on in the square or some some Spanish holiday or something happening and. He said, you know, you should see this. It's only a half a block from your hotel. Why don't I let you off here? So he got out of the vehicle and all of a sudden uh, they started setting off fireworks. And he said, (laughs) he said, for the first time in my life, I thought about war and I thought, why would I be thinking about war? I'm in Spain at a party. And he said that being where I was was more important to me than being where I'd been. 
And that was the first time that happened to him. So, you know, if it does get triggered, and I agree with you, most of the time it doesn't even come to mind, but if something big happens right in front of your face and it got triggered, but he said it was such an amazing experience to him. He had a wonderful time and he stayed for quite a long while in, in that square, you know, while all the things were going on. And he said, I, you know, it's just wonderful because I was so happy to be free from that. I just no longer, that memory no longer had any power over me. Yeah. And I think that was, oh, that's so true. Yeah. That was an insight that, you know, that came from his, I think being surprised and knowing that he was on vacation celebrating being a being a really good place when the memory hit him that it just lost its power. And and that's I mean that's the important thing is to realize that memories look different to us in different states of mind too. And so if you're in a really happy state of mind and a really peaceful state of mind, the same thing that might have you flat on your back if you were already in a low mood, we'll just look like, oh dear, there's that thought again. And I, and I, I think that that's the power of what we have to share with people is that none of this is important. If as soon as you see that the content of thinking, first of all, is unreliable because your state of mind is going to color it. Um, so you, you never know if you're really remembering what happened or you're remembering it in a different mood and it looks worse or better. And second of all, who cares? It's over. You know, but what's, what's wonderful about life is that we have the power to decide, you know, to keep thinking. We, we are thinking beings and we're always creating thought. And as soon as we see thought as our power, not as our, our kind of tormentor, suddenly, you know, we're free. And, and that's, a, that's a spiritual fact. That's not a, you know, that's not a psychological experience. It's kind of a, it comes through a, a moment of clarity and insight that suddenly awakens you the, to, the, to, the, to the enormous creativity of humanity, of just being a human being, that I've got a choice here. I can take this thought seriously or not. I can see it, you know, I'm lucky if, I, if it doesn't start to bother me I, only way it's going to bother me is if I keep thinking about it and bringing back other stuff. <laughs> and that feeling that power, I, I mean, that, it's hard to talk about it even because it's not a, it's not of this world, so to speak, you know, it's kind of before thought, but feeling that power is so freeing for people because they suddenly realize none of my thinking matters unless I give it weight. That's right. It's, it's really um, helping people to see that they think and that not every thought that comes to mind is worthy of attention is a huge thing because most people are walking around. They know they think, but they think that either their thoughts are the way they are because of their world and they have no control over their world, or they think that their thoughts are somehow going to um, uh, that they don't have anything to do with their world, really. That, that, yeah, 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 I'm thinking, but what has that got to do with my life, right? right they, yeah. they don't get the connection between the, excuse me, the content of their thinking and the way they experience life. And then literally the, the reality they create because everything they're seeing in life is being generated from the inside out. You know, I just we were just talking about... Um, 
uh, I think it was in our, in our group, Judy, we were talking about how we don't see with our eyes because people were getting like cataract surgeries and that kind of thing. And people just don't realize that your eyes are not seeing things that there's light that comes in and, and it, it creates a, a message and sends it to your brain. The message in your brain is upside down, jiggles and has pukas in it. It has holes in it. Sorry, it's my pigeon coming out. And, and your brain fixes all that in a, in a minute. Mm-hmm. And so it looks like what you're seeing is like your eyes are seeing reality, but really you are experiencing a reality through thought. Mm-hmm. And it's taking information and then creating this experience, creating what you see. Mm-hmm. So the more you get caught up in the content of your thought, you're like a step too late. Because you've already created the thought. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Like it 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 disappears in a second. Mm-hmm. It's like those those bubbles that you make with the for the kids, you know, they get the little um circle thing and you stick it in the the liquid and then blow and you create these bubbles. Well, they have a form for a minute and then they burst and they're gone. And that's just like thoughts just keep coming and going. When we get like we don't see that that's all it is. It's just a flow of thought. It could be good. It could be bad. It's like mm-hmm. when you talk to Siri, you don't, you know, she tells you to go um, to, uh, I was searching for an Italian restaurant on this island. I said, Siri, Siri, where's an Italian restaurant, Siri? And they gave me one in Texas. <laughs> well, I didn't like start driving my car towards Texas because that's the nearest uh, <laughs> Italian restaurant, I realized, oh, that's not right. I have to do it again, mm-hmm. right? So our feelings are kind of there to alert us when, when we're in a state of mind where we should be very wary about the content of our thinking mm-hmm. and the fact that we're thinking this and it looks so real, right? But understanding that makes you do life more gracefully. You're not as you know, clumsy, you don't put your foot in your mouth as much. You don't scare yourself as much because the details of your thought, you know, are questionable from time to time. Now, your wisdom, when it comes through, it comes through thought. You still experience it that way, but it's the you that's experiencing it. Mm-hmm. So you, it resonates like, oh, oh, okay, I, I know I need to do this. Yeah. But it's still content. Yeah, it's still content, but it's interesting to me the number of people who have these moments of wisdom and override them immediately because they don't recognize their own state of mind. We're always pointing people towards a feeling and people say, oh, you're always talking about feelings. Well, you know, the feeling that you're in is the information that tells you whether to take your thinking to heart or not. And I can't tell you the number of people that said, you know, When I left the house for whatever thing they did that they are now upset about, I knew I shouldn't do that. I I knew, I knew it was, I knew it was a bad idea, but then I thought, well, I'm, I'm out the, I'm in the driveway. I'm, I'm halfway there. I'm going. And, um, you know, and now I'm living to regret it. And (laughs) you go, what do you think that was that moment where you knew it? And they'll say, well, it's, I don't know, my conscience or my mother's voice in my head or whatever, but no, that was your wisdom. But we can, we can override it because 
it's not the first thought. It's the thought we have about that thought that determines which way we go with it. So if your first thought is, is good information, but maybe it goes against some, you know, angry thing that you were setting out to do, um, you know, and you override it, then you can't, you'll never see it as wisdom. You'll see it as a random, you know, incident. But if we learn that, you know, when you get a thought that goes, wait a minute, I don't know if, I don't know if this is such a great idea. And you think, yeah, that, it felt better when I, I felt better when I had that thought. You might put on the brake, you know, you might say, maybe I should stop and reflect for a minute. And I think when people slow down and they start to follow their, follow their feelings instead of the details of their thinking, follow the, the momentary feeling that came with that thought. Did it, did it lift your spirits a little bit? Did it seem soothing or comforting or, or you know, like re, a relief? Sometimes people will say, yeah, it was a relief to me when I had that thought, but it didn't last long. Yeah, you know, I had this guy um, that's in my, my men's group, my, my violent men's group, and he just got out of prison for 15 years. He did on, I think, I don't know what it was for, robbery, assault, something. And he really wants to stay out of prison. He's very motivated. And um, so he's been really listening, and he, he's had the most the, the most beautiful thing. He um, has to go for random urinalysis um, checks, and he has not used, and he knew he had not used, right? So he did the test, and the guy who did the test said, oh, it came out negative. And he said, I could feel myself react. And then I remembered that it was my thinking. <laughs> and I calmed myself down and I very kindly asked him to recheck it because I knew that I hadn't used and perhaps the results were not accurate. And the guy did, and it turned out to be negative. And he said, oh, sorry, we've been having trouble with these tests recently. Mm-hmm. And But he was, he said, you know, in the past, I would have reacted and I would have gotten really mad and I would have really felt, you know, afraid because I'd get put back in prison for having a positive urinalysis, right? He said, but I stayed calm and I just asked him to check it and um, nothing happened. The guy, you know, did that and everything worked out. Mm-hmm. Now, if you know people that get really reactive and are very insecure, that's really a big deal yeah. because he knew that his thinking was causing his reaction, not the guy who did the urinalysis check. Right. Now, not only did that help him, but all the other guys in the group are listening to this guy who didn't graduate from high school, you know, has been in prison for probably half his life, maybe a little bit less than half his life, but the majority of his adult life. And he's starting to see how to, not get reactive to the content of his thought and to see that he's not that his thinking, right? Like when you see that it's content and it's just details of thought, the way it, the way memory kind of plays itself out, you don't have to respond to it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to act on it. Mm-hmm. And you know, when it's, when you start to get a reaction that that's your signal to chill out and clear your mind rather than start talking about all the details, right? Because then they just get more more serious, more real. And I think that's one of the things that gives people hope 
because, you know, like when I was, went to therapy when I was in my 20s, um, we went back in my past and analyzed why I was so depressed. And there were lots of things that I came up with. <laughs> and they all seemed to be very real. It was almost like looking at Pandora's box, like, oh, yeah, and this happened. Oh, yeah, and that happened. Oh, I forgot about this. And all of these things. And then it became like, well, this is why I am the way I am. Well, if this is why I am the way I am, what am I going to do about that? Nothing. Because whatever I experienced had already happened. And if that was making me the way I am, I'm, I'm screwed, right? It's like, but helping people, when I saw like, oh, those are just my thoughts. I'm not the way, I'm not that person. That those thoughts created my unhappiness. That's true. But when I saw that I was the thinker and that A, they weren't all correct and B, I missed out of all the beautiful, wonderful things I had in my life. And there were, there was all these other thoughts that I didn't even take into account. It was hilarious to me because I realized I was actually analyzing my own thinking and then deciding like, woe is me, this is true. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great story. I love that story, Chris, because that is the, that's the moment of, it's almost like getting out of prison, getting out of the prison of your own thoughts. You know, somebody unlocks the door and you walk out into the sunshine and go, hey, it's all about what I think next. You know, it's nothing to do with all that stuff that's in my memory bank. And yet, you know, when you need it, it's there. So if you need to remember how to do a certain kind of problem or something, it's there It's there for you. But we tend to misuse our own memories by bringing up a lot of negative stuff that doesn't, doesn't matter. So we're not saying, you know, you should be empty-headed and go through life and never... Never have a thought about the past. Some When you have positive thoughts about the past, we call it reminiscing. You know, when we have negative thoughts about the past, we call it depression. But your brain doesn't care. It'll process whatever you put in there. Right. Well, and the other thing you can use are the details of your thought are to alert you right. to the current state of mind you're in, right? Because all of a sudden you'll start thinking about, oh, and then I went through this and I had to go through that. And what about this? And, and so that's just a signal like, hey, you're thinking too much. You, you, the, the file on me is open and you're now going over all the thoughts you ever had about yourself and your life, which is if you got depressed or anxious that they weren't very healthy. So you don't want to keep revisiting them to find your health because your health has nothing to do with your past. You cannot find mental well-being in memory. It will not create happiness. No. It comes from something deeper. And also you can find a tremendous amount of optimism and hope, even if you've had a really bad experience of life up until this moment now, by saying to yourself, you know, as the thinker of my own thoughts, I get a fresh start every time I have a thought. That's, that's almost miraculous. But every time a thought pops into your head, like my, honestly, almost everybody that does this work would say that, that their life changed completely when they really saw that. And it, that's a thought. That was one thought, a moment of insight. And I remember the, the, the biggest moment of insight I had 
having been brought up with a lot of rules and restrictions and so on. And I realized, you know, bottom line is that the only, the only real rule and restriction that's not a rule and restriction, it's kind of an inspirational idea in life, is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have, they, they would have, you would have them do unto you. And if you live your life recognizing that other people get in low moods and they say things they wouldn't have said in a different state of mind, and you start to live in a feeling state where you're looking at people just like you would look at yourself. You know, when I'm down, I don't make a lot of sense. I don't treat people very nicely. I don't treat myself very well. I don't feel hopeful. I don't want to have fun, you know. And then if you encounter a person who's struggling, you realize, oh, it's just the thinking they're in and the state of mind they're in right now. And it's a whole different experience of other people. It gives you it gives you a great feeling of, of love and optimism about human nature because people's, when people get into their own negative details, they're just like you, you know, they're having the same experience you have when you get in that state of mind. And I think it, it really helps. It certainly helped me as a person to be very much more open-minded and forgiving when people were struggling. You know, just remembering that you're not your thoughts. Right. You're not your memories. Mm-hmm. You're not your past experiences. You're more than that. Mm-hmm. And that's what, what transcendent is, is that you transcend your own memories to see what you are and what you can become. Right. Because the more you are yourself, the nicer your life gets. That is so true. And on that beautiful note... We will look forward to talking to you again next week. Aloha. Bye-bye. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 